Wednesday evening as local football is underway this weekend. We could not be more excited. The Raw W League side are charging towards the finals and the A-League team is back on the right side of the country. Adam, how are you? I'm good. How are you, boys? Hey, Scott. How are you, James? Just about ready to get back into the the grind of it all once again. Yeah, I I did love the uh, six-day off-season that the NPL competitions (laughs) have given us over Christmas. but uh, How do you get the extra two days? (laughs) <laughs> commentator special but yes there is a, a whole lot to talk about on this week's edition despite the fact we don't have a W League match to recap with the Raw on a bye we've got the Raw's A League defeat over in Perth we've got round one of the NPL new, few news stories as well and a Twitter request for a segment so what do you say we get right into it we'll start off with our usual plugs Facebook the Raw Review Twitter at BNE Football you can find live coverage of every single Brisbane Raw match and select NPL and FQPL matches on those accounts. And then also you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, Wooshka, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the other good podcast platforms. Make sure you leave a rating, a review, and you can also send an email to brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Always love hearing feedback as long as it's perfectly positive and telling me just how amazing we all are, or at least as, how awesome I think we are. And, uh, yeah, Adam, what do you say we get right into it? We'll lead off with your thoughts. The Raw's 3-1 defeat over in Perth. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's an interesting one to try and read because, uh, I, look, I think the form would suggest up until at least last night uh, that, you know, Perth Glory you know, are definitely showing that you know, they're one of the better sides. But, um, yeah, look, Raw's performance was... Uh, look, we'll say, we'll say it was uh, it was a past mark, but only just. Scott? Yeah, it's one of those where you might get the pass if the teacher likes you kind of thing. But in general, I, I, they didn't play too badly. Look, going forward, there's still concerns. We might talk about them later on with how they're not taking their chances. Defensively, I think they targeted Young Kai True and they really tried to play down their, their left-hand side, Brisbane's right. Obviously, that makes sense given you've got Diego Castro operating in that area of the field more often than not. So it makes sense they tried to do that. But it wasn't too bad of a performance, but... Uh, it's, it's a bit frustrating. It did seem like there was a bit more energy and I suppose a little bit more creativity than what we've seen in the last couple of matches. But yet again, they just couldn't quite find that breakthrough. And I mentioned this last week, and I'm actually really starting to get concerned that now, like compared to what we saw against Adelaide and Melbourne victory, the energy level just seems infinitely lower. And it is something that... You know, I was really enjoying seeing, but I also know it's just not sustainable. Yeah, I think there was there was a bit of a drop-off, wasn't there, in terms of the intensity. And it's kind of understandable given back-to-back games on the road as well, fairly long travel, but I still think they did pretty well in terms of the way they played the game. It's just they're not taking their chances, and it doesn't matter if you, what sort of energy you bring, James, if you're not taking your chances, 
you're going to find yourself in trouble. And that's where I think the Raw really need to look at what they're, not maybe what they're doing, but just can they tweak something to get a bit more efficiency in the front third in terms of the chances that they take? Because they're creating plenty of them. They're just not taking them. And I think that's the biggest issue. I don't think the energy was that big an issue. I think they were there to play. I just think they just, they didn't take their opportunities when they were presented. Yeah, it's it's becoming now, I think, the story of Brisbane Raw season up to this point now, ever since sort of that, that big, big win over Melbourne Victory, is chances are coming at a premium they're not taking them. Like I counted, there was probably two good chances um, for Gogo Mabratu, you know, it, you know, in either sort of side of half time, and also as well, um, Dylan Wenzel Halls also had a golden opportunity which hit hit the post. So it's those chances that you know are sort of showing that Raw are creating uh, good chances. But you know, if they're not taking them, they're being punished on the on the other end by the opposition. That's at the moment. That's what seems to be costing them, and why how how they're sort of at the moment, you know, sort of languishing, sort of you know, in the sort of the middle of that final sort of picture. Rather than you know, actually really challenging you know, the likes of um, of uh, Central Coast and uh, Macarthur. Well, I will say one player that is definitely not lacking for energy in this Brisbane Raw side is Dylan Wenzel Halls. I'm pretty sure that he's uh, like the Energizer Bunny on speed or something. Yeah, he certainly always does bring the energy, doesn't he? That's something that you always know you're going to get from Dylan Wenzel Halls. But to Adam's point, the Raw are not far off being an elite team in this competition. I'll give you a couple of numbers, James. I actually look through them earlier today. So the Raw have got the fifth most shots in the league at 138. Also the the, the fifth best conversion rate at 13%. So that's a, they're pretty much mid-pack, but when you look at more of the numbers, their shooting accuracy is eighth best in the competition at just about 42.5%, which is just slightly below the league average. And that's the reason why it's all such a problem, why these numbers were are a bit of a problem is defensively look at it, they're number one, equal number one for goals conceded, number one for tackle tackle percentage one, number one for duels one, and third best for shots face. So defensively, it's all stacking up really, really well. It's just offensively, if they can just go from being mid-pack where they are now to being in the top three or four teams, they can absolutely be a real factor in this competition. It's not a lot wrong. It's just if they can just get these couple of chances to go right, they'll be right in the, in the hunt with the elite teams of the competition. They're right banging on the door. It's also it is, however, concerning that you know five of those goals came in about a forty-nine yeah. minutes stretch. So you take those numbers out, and all of a sudden, it those numbers. Well, I haven't got the maths in front of me, but those numbers would drop off significantly. Other than that, that about fifty-minute burst against Melbourne Victory. So yeah, I, I think can't, the, can't the, do that math either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the the attack at the moment um, is sort of really. Um, so sort of, yeah, it, it. I wouldn't say it's misfiring. It's just they're not just just not taking the chances, and that's and that's a problem. And that's probably the difference at the moment of why Raw are sort of still, you know, slightly off the pace as far as you know the league goes compared to being considered yeah. one of those elite teams. Just a few degrees off, James. I think the big thing as well that really is standing out to me at the moment is the Raw just don't seem like they're executing at the level of the I suppose top teams in the league. Like you know, you saw what Perth was able to do. In like in up well not quite in person because didn't fly over to Perth but uh, you compare that to even you know what Central Coast is doing they're taking their chances Western United you know they get the chance with the last kick of the game and they convert it now I mean Perth in, wouldn't let you in anyway James all the shots you've taken at them over the last five years there's a big sign on the on the border over there if I, I got into New Zealand after all my Knicks out stuff so it shouldn't be too hard but I don't think any of us are getting into WA at the moment the way. <laughs> 
the way dictator uh, McGowan's operating over there. Oh, just let them secede. What are we losing anyway? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> hey, look. Hello to our friends pe- in Perth, by the way. In for a penny, <laughs> in for a pound. Anyway. <laughs> that might be their currency. What was I going to say? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, with the rules attack, we did see one enforced change with uh, Golgol Mabratu starting in place of the injured Scott McDonald. I'm actually a little bit... I was quite encouraged by what I saw from Mabratu, and I do think that, you know, he's one of those players that you have to give him a few more games before you can really judge what he's doing. But where is Masato Kudo? I saw the Raw post a photo of him, you know, with a spectacular finish at training today, but what's he got to do to get onto the pitch? I'm not sure. We'll talk about him in a moment. Firstly, with Golgol Mabratu making his first start, I think you've almost got to give him a pass for the performance in Perth at the weekend because he was... He had a pretty serious head injury in the first five minutes of the game, which saw him at least the next 15, 20 minutes. It was clearly affecting him. So you've got to give him a bit of a pass. That I thought he did pretty well once again. I think the more he gets time on the field and grows within the team, I think it'll be better. As for Masato Kudo, I think he played once again at at the weekend for the Raw youth team in a preseason game. So it seems like he's building up his minutes, but you would have thought this would be the time this weekend. If he is ready to go, having played two lots of 90 minutes, you'd expect him to be in the match day squad. And if required off the bench, making an impact if he's ready to go. Yeah, that's true. And also, the one thing that I, I may have mentioned this last week, I can't remember, but I don't. I always felt like Mabratu was one of those shorter, speedier guys, but he's pretty solidly built. Like he's certainly can function as a target man if the Raw do want to, you know, play uh, with that sort of cross into the box at any point in time. Yeah, he um, obviously he he sort of got that sort of uh, not only is he very very speedy, is that also as well he has that height and sort of you know and it's fairly imposing you know in the box and a couple of times uh, a couple of times he had the the chances were actually based on simply that you know he was he either out muscled or um, sort of leapt higher than than his markers so I think yeah look again he was a little bit wasteful but. Um, well, like I said, for someone who's you know, only played, you know, realistically, you know, is his first start for a very, very long time. Um, yeah, you can't really fault it. I thought, I thought, you know, maybe it, they would like to take their time a little bit longer to get him into it. But obviously, with um, Scott McDonald, you know, twinging that uh, hamstring, I think that's probably what's sort of hastened his return to starting to the starting lineup. You'd have to be a real prick to ride off Mabratu this early, wouldn't you? I think so. A, so you're riding him off then, James? I'm not that much of a person. <laughs> Although there may be some that just Hey, you opened the door. Yeah, I, I really did. I led with the chin on that one. Um, what should what should be said, though, is the, raw, the Raw's goal was pretty damn impressive and a good reminder of what... Uh, yeah, of what uh, the Raw are capable of doing. It was, what, 21, 22 passes and finish off with a spectacular header by Jack Hingett to level the scores at 1-1. So... It was, you know, nice to see Jack getting back on the score sheet because he has been finding himself in much more advanced positions uh, in this new uh, Brisbane Munich setup. Yeah, um, I'm not sure where that uh, the header came from from um, Jack Hinger, but it was spectacular. Um, but yeah, look, the the whole build up itself, it was just that just what you want to see, you know, in football in general. It was just patient build-up, a lot of intricacies. You know, the likes of um, Rema Akbari and Jay Shea would go you know, constantly touching it, cut, touching the ball, you know, playing amongst themselves, distributing it out. And look, the um, the cross from uh, Corey Brown, that was the final pass for Ingots header, was, you know, very, very well scouted um, as far as, you know, seeing 
you know, hanging as the open man, because you'd think most passes normally would sort of go laterally, sort of, you know, either horizontally across the striker, but to see see Hingert, you know, open like that, now that was really, really, um, sort of, you know, nice play. And it does show the importance of having a fullback playing the way that Corey Brown is in the, that thing as well. Uh, just what you asked before, Adam, I'm fairly certain if you asked Hingert, he would say that head has always been in there. Yeah, it probably has. It's been a while coming, though, hasn't it, when it comes to Jack Hingert and scoring goals, but... You know what it reminds me of a little bit? We'll talk about the comparisons with a certain raw goal in a minute, probably, but you think back to one of the World Cup qualifiers, I think it was away to Uzbekistan where it was Luke Wilkshire crossing to Scott Chipperfield at the back post for a header in a game as well. So it kind of reminded me a bit of that, but it was such a well-worked goal, wasn't it? The, the movement, the passing, everything was absolutely perfect. And if you're going to go 380 minutes without scoring a goal, you might as well break the drought with a, with a great goal, like great team goal like that. It was beautifully worked. Yeah, look at the uh, yeah 380 minutes. Uh, was that, it's a, it ends up being the second all-time uh, raw, raw sort of longest sort of goal draw. I actually uh, had checked through the actually uh, longest one because we did talk about last week. 478 minutes. It was uh, between rounds 10 and 15 in the 06-07 season. The last the last goal before that stretch was Heinaldo in the 49th minute against Central Coast Mariners on the 28th of October at Suncorp Stadium, and it was broken by Matt Mackay in the 80th minute of a 1-0 win versus Perth Glory on the 2nd of December at Suncorp Stadium. So they actually went a month without a calendar month without scoring a goal, Brisbane Raw. So. Obviously, it wasn't that bad, but uh, second second all-time uh, drought for the Raw was broken by what was a very spectacular header from uh, Jack Ingham. Definitely, and it does show. It, I kind of I don't want to excuse the fact that they did go over six hours without scoring a goal, but it is a nice reminder of the sort of play that Moon is trying to instill in his team here as well. And look. I fully admit, I like Warren Moon. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt with a lot of this sort of stuff. But it is a nice reminder knowing that he's got... So, like, this is what he's trying to build here. And, you know, there are probably going to be some bumps on the road. But if the, if that, you know, light bulb does start to click, you know, late April, early May or something, I that's a big watch out for the rest of the competition, surely. Absolutely. That goal from Matt McCarr was a cracker, by the way, back in 06. And I've, I remember seeing that not being there and cursing my luck not being there. But it's kind of like what Warren did at Lions, isn't it, James? He built that really solid defensive foundation first and foremost. And then he started to get the attack right as as the seasons progressed. So I, I don't, I'm not too concerned at the moment. I'd, I'd much rather have the solid defense and the work needing to be done in the offensive third than the other way around. Because if you've got a solid defense, you're going to get points more often than not. And if, if they can get the offense right, they're going to be a real force. So I think they're heading in the right direction with that. Just quickly, James, what do you reckon was the better goal? Friday night or the goal down in Melbourne where the late Liam Miller finished off a superb move in 2014? Uh, I, I don't want to irritate our South Australian fan base by going for the Liam Miller goal. However, I've got, to go, for the Liam, I've got to go for the Liam Miller goal because it's, yeah, that was just unbelievable. The roar at the height of their powers. And I do, you know, have a soft spot for any Brisbane Royal goal involving the likes of Thomas Broich. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. The Liam Miller goal stands out to me as, you know, the, be- the best goal in Raw history other than that goal. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, that, it, it's... It's like trying to pick, you know, your favourite grand final win or something. It's, it's, they're, they're all still pretty uh, good. 
Uh, one final point I did want to uh, touch on quickly uh, before we moved off on this game via our 3 2 ones before one of you sends me a message saying, remember to do the 3 2 ones. Uh, Nick D'Agostino, look, for all the love and other stuff that Diego Castro gets, Nick D'Agostino was far and away the best player on the pitch on Friday night. And I'd much rather see him doing it in the. Thank you, Scott, for the message about the 3 2 ones. <laughs> Again, you, you open the door. <laughs> I did. Um, yeah, Nick D'Agostino, I'd much rather see him succeeding in Brisbane. Yeah. But it's really good seeing him have a, a fantastic run over in Perth as well. And there was one incident, though, that d- probably needs to be touched on quickly. There was the penalty appeal that wasn't given oh, in the... Yeah, as I see both of you roll your eyes. But that, that was a fairly big moment early on in the match. And... I'm going to be honest, I actually thought it was a foul by Jamie Young. It was a 50-50 call that I would have uh, shaded the way of Nick D'Agostino. But, you know, as a Brisbane fan, I'm really not complaining that it was given. Adam? Yeah, look, um, that was one of the... That, that sort of thing, decision is sort of the one where, you know what, I... I would, been ha- I would have uh, been satisfied either way as far as... Look, if if the referee, um, Alariza Fagani, had given it, you'd say, you know what, on the basis of what he saw, that's fine. It wasn't. If it wasn't given, you know, it's 50-50. And, yeah, and that's, and that's sort of the whole thing. We'll, we'll get into the recriminations of that, you know, in, in a few minutes' time. But, yeah, look, but just on Nick D'Agostino, um, yeah, look, he, he's been phenomenal this season for Perth. And, um, look, it's... With these sort of younger players, you know, it's a shame that he's not. It's not in Brisbane colours, but you always want to see these these young players kick on. And like like Dylan Wenzel Halls, I think you know he maybe uh, you know should have a ticket to go to Tokyo. It's not the first time a young Brisbane Raw player has gone on from Brisbane and made a made a really good shake of things. So you think back to what Robbie Cruz did when he went down to Melbourne. He was a fringish A League player who had a few good games, and he turned himself into. A Socceroo for the next decade. I'm not saying Nick D'Agostino is going to do that in Perth, but he's certainly heading in the right direction. I think his, think the influence Diego Castro is having on him in that kind of secondary striker type of a role where he's playing is really, really important. As for the penalty thing, I thought Jamie Young got the ball first, and I'm standing by it. Fair enough. Okay, well, as much as I would love to yell and scream about that for the next hour, about, yeah, two different sides ah. of the 50-50 decision... Let's finish off with the three, two, ones. Adam, it's your turn. Go. Okay, my my. Hang on, let me just suck this up. Uh, three points, Corey Brown. I thought he was uh, excellent on that left-hand side. Uh, obviously got the all-important assist, but also as well defensively, um, a couple of clearances off the line. And yeah, look, I thought probably one of his better games since he's been back in the Raw uh, colours. Two points to Dylan Wenzel Halls. I thought he had another, you know, very, very good game. A couple of chances, but he was you know, active. He was active, you know, sort of throughout. And one point, Ramat Akbari. I thought, you know, one of his better games. Uh, his skills, for me, it was a very, very close call between him and Jay O'Shea. I thought they both sort of played well in midfield, but I'll give it to the young fellow. I think uh, he he's uh, in a good run. Yeah, I think Ramon Akbari is one of the really underrated players in this side, isn't he, James? The way he's, he recycles the ball, and he's starting to get forward a bit more as well now, which we know is his natural game. And if that's going to continue, he's going to become a really important part of this side. Well, I suppose that is probably the other good thing about uh, Ramon Akbari is he knows that if he starts to drop at all, he's got Jesse Daly just waiting right there to take his starting spot. So he certainly looks like he's growing under pressure. Look, I'll be honest, I 
you know, early in the season, I did think that he was probably primed to be replaced by Jesse Daly. But based on his performances in the last couple of matches, I don't think, he, I don't think he's uh, done anything to lose his spot in the starting 11. All right, let's move on. We're going to quickly run through the news in the next five or so minutes. And we'll start off with what Scott has deemed to be the biggest story of the entire uh, week. George Mells has left the Brisbane Raw. He's down in MPL Victoria. And we're not going to bother with any of his highlights because he only played 12 minutes off the bench in the FFA Cup round of 32. Ramad Akbari is Hang going on, before coach... we move on, I've got a trivia question of the week here for you, actually, James. Oh, come on. That was no, a perfect there's eight, segment. There's eight players who have played one game for the Brisbane Raw. How many can you name? Mel's is one, obviously. Adam, do you want to have a crack? Max. <laughs> uh, oh, hang on. Uh, l- Andrew Redman? No, I, I, oh. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of. That yeah, too, it'd be a lot way. in the early days. Uh, the visual name? clue wasn't quite right. I apologise for people. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Steve Fitzsimons? That's one. Simmons? His name came up a couple of weeks ago. Oh, do you want the full list? Yeah. Uh, yes, please. Yes. Okay, this so maybe quicker. All right, the two players who made one start and then left were Callum O'Connell and Tando Falapi. People remember well, the great saves from Tando back in season two. The bench players who came on. Remember when Jamie Young ripped his arm open? Oh yeah. And Thomas oh, yes. Lyles came on. That's one. Chris hey. Bush was another one. Carl yep. Reckier was one back in the day, and then Adam Sawyer oh. made a two-minute cameo away to Melbourne Victory, and that was the that was the other one. So it was O'Connell, Valapi, Billich, Bush. Fitzsimmons, Mel's, Rekia, and Sawyer. Okay, since we've just gone off on this quick tangent, I do also remember the look on Tom Billich's face when Jamie Young got cleaned up in that semi-final four days later, thinking, oh God, am I going to have to go on again? So, anyway, Raman Akbari is going to coach with uh, Bethania Rams this season as well, so good to see he's uh, working his way towards suppose, a nice little side hustle there coaching. Oh, side hustle, but uh, yeah, Capital League uh, for Bethania Rams are um, a sort of situation. I'm not sure if they're one or two. It's hard to know these days with uh, with the Capital Leagues. But look, uh, obviously, uh, already he uh, might have an eye at coaching. So, you know, best of luck to him. Definitely. It might give us a reason to keep an eye on Bethania. Definitely. All right, uh, we will move on. There is a bit of talk about the Asian Champions League as well. Rumours from China, it sounds like the Raw are possibly going to get a slightly more, I don't want to say easier, because, well, remember what happened last time we said the Raw had an easy match in the Asian Champions League? Yeah. Yeah. So Jiangsu Suning, the Chinese champions, have ceased operations effective immediately. Hello to anyone uh, who's an Inter Milan fan, by the way. And so... Yeah, Yeah, you're next. (laughs) Hey, but Barcelona have got problems too, by the way, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll save that for the Barcelona football review. Beautiful. Uh, Adam hosts yeah. that, I believe. <laughs> yes. Yes, a very big, big show on the Revisio Football de Barcelona. That's right. Um, yeah, so basically by the sounds of it, uh, there are a couple of other clubs in danger of, uh, or financially over yeah. in China as well. So it seems like the Raw may actually wind up just having to win one qualifier to get into the Champions League group stage, which, again, I'm not taking for granted, but winning one match is easier than having to win two. It certainly is, particularly if that game does end up being played here in South East Queensland with the, uh, with the opposition having to come over and quarantine for two weeks in the lead-up. That does open things right up, but, I mean, until, we, until I see that confirmed by someone in the AFC that, A, the qualifiers are actually going to happen, and, B... 
this news is accurate. I'm not reading too much into it, but it was inter- interesting to see it pop up the other day, that's for sure. Yeah, look, uh, to be honest, it just puts a whole great big dark cloud on the whole Champions League as it is. Um, uh, like, I know, obviously, the AFC will be trying in vain to, to get started, but look, I honestly, I don't, th- I don't think the, whole, the competition is going to be a starter this year, if I'm if I'm being honest. Um, just There's just too much going on in the world at the moment. The, the, sort of, the seeming collapse of the Chinese Super League in general, and it is a house of cards, like... Um, yeah, Jiangsu Suning and uh, I think Tia, uh, Tianjin Tianhai is the other one. No, that's just the start. I think um, obviously the, the the boom that was you know, a few years ago with our spending like just ridiculous amounts of money on players. Um, look, I think the pocket. bust is coming, and <laughs> yeah, this is um, yeah. I, I think it, it like basically the Chinese Super League. It's a house of cards at the moment, and it may sink the whole uh, continental competition this year. Well, I, I will say just some of those ridiculous sums. Um, I might have done a blog post on that for my day job. The uh, actually it was only yesterday. Yeah, ninety-three point one million Australian dollars for Oscar, eighty-six point six million dollars for Hulk, Alex Teixeira seventy-seven point five eight million, and the honourable mention Carlos Tevez. His transfer fee was only eighteen point eight four million Australian dollars. But his wage was one point one million Australian dollars per week. Gee, I wonder why they're having financial just trouble. Going, just Didn't going. Did Oscar go Hulk, straight from he... Chelsea, like a starting regular at Chelsea, to that to China yeah. as well? As That's did the Ramirez. most bizarre Actually, of a lot. As did Ramirez. Didn't didn't uh, didn't they pay more than the Hulk the movie was, was shot for? <laughs> <laughs> I, that would not surprise me. Actually, um, there's one really good story here that uh, yeah. Jackson Martinez like went over there, played six games or something, suffered a major ankle injury and was never the same and fo- eventually forced into retirement. And what's it Anthony Modest um, couldn't agree on a loan for on a transfer deal from Cologne to Tianjin Quanjian. I apologize for the mispronunciation. Um, played 29 matches across the two seasons of a loan deal that was eventually agreed on. And the transfer fee option at the end of that was $45 million. Um, I wonder why Chinese League's in trouble. Oh, just wait. This gets even better. Uh, It took three months after the transfer was made permanent, after the two years on loan, for him to go to FIFA and say, they're not paying me, I'm leaving. Well, the only only sort of one left to be said about China is that let's just hope that Aaron Moy gets out and gets out of there fast. And Trent, because, yeah. like I said, that 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 from a, from an Australian point of view, that's probably the biggest concern at the moment. Is you would hate for him uh, to to be caught up in all this sort of you know this drama, because like I said, that would may threaten you know his sort of Socceroos sort of you know hopes. But uh, then again, the Socceroos aren't doing much either at the moment. So oh, this is another good one as well. I really should remember what I wrote more than I do. But yeah, Ramirez basically just spent a year in the reserve team of Jiangsu Suning after they paid $43.45 million for him. He had a couple of good seasons before deciding he wanted out. Spent a year in the reserve team and then uh, eventually got released to return to Brazil and sign with Palmeiras. So, yeah. There's your link to the Brisbane Roar as well. Palmeiras and obviously playing in the TransLink Cup in, I want to say, 2009, give or take? Palmeiras B, technically. It was still Palmeiras. By the way, soccer is speaking of Aaron Boy, soccer is out of action until about late May, early June, where their games will be in a hub. Definitely. If you haven't seen uh, that. 
Uh, one for you retail buffs. The kits are finally out in Rebel Sport. I went and picked up the black kit, and uh, I'm actually glad that I went and tried it on because I tried to do the same trick that I did with the uh, Arsenal kits. Deci- tried to find the men's XS slash boy size 16 because it was cheaper. And, oh, that. <laughs> I, I do not have the figure of Tom Aldred. I will tell you that because I'm pretty sure he's the only person I've seen wh- that wears his jersey that tight. And I, to go, I wound up having to go for the men's small in the end for the black jersey. You managed to get it easily enough, though, James. It seemed like there was a bit of a problem with it when they first came out. There were, they were, they were nowhere available where people wanted to get them from. It seemed like. I, I had no dramas getting it. I did want to get the white jersey, but uh, it wasn't available in my size, and it might have been a little bit see-through as well for me. Oh, oh, I'm your size, but yeah, your your men's ex, uh, extra small. We're first world problems for you. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. As, I, as I'm sure a lot of people are flipping off their podcast player right about now. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, we'll move on now to the W League preview. So I'm going to call a bit of an audible on the... and not go in the exact order of the run sheet. And the main reason why I want to do that, Claire Polkinghorne set to make her 150th Brisbane Raw appearance. No word yet on how many NSL appearances she made for Brisbane Strikers in that tally as well, Scott. <laughs> no, not quite yet. We're still waiting to hear back correspondence on that. Yeah. Uh, you should explain still... that, by the way, because most people are going to be like, what on earth are you talking about? Uh, when Matt Mackay made what I believe was his 250th Brisbane Raw appearance, Francis Atirawafe, uh, formerly of SBS, went on a little tirade on Twitter wondering why we didn't count the Brisbane Strikers' appearances in his Brisbane Raw tally. And I had to explain to the Sydney sider, who may not pay a whole lot of attention to things north of the Tweed, that in fact Brisbane Strikers and Brisbane Raw are in fact different clubs. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, awkward pause. Fantastic. It is interesting. Do you think about 150 appearances for Claire Polkinghorne? I think it's the first, she's the first player in the W to achieve that for the one club. And it's a remarkable, remarkable effort. And in terms of the raw, the next best is Tamiki Yallop, who's on 125. So it's a fair gap from first to second in appearances for the Brisbane Raw W League. We've said it before a thousand times. Claire's been an absolute model professional for an extremely long time in in her time at the Brisbane Raw, being, if one, if not the best player in the league, one of the best players in the league pretty much every single year. And that holds true once again this year. And it's a remarkable achievement. The only shame is it's not not going to be here in Brisbane, but it's going to be an understated away game. And I imagine that as long as they get the three points, Claire won't mind one bit. Absolutely. That uh, opportunity does come Sunday afternoon, 3.05pm Queensland time. The match will be live on ABC and Fox slash KO. The Raw, pretty good record down in Canberra. 14 wins out of 28 matches. It's the first ever meeting at Viking Park. But only five wins from 12 previous trips to Canberra. Uh, but the other thing as well that I suppose is does bear watching is Michelle Heyman. They're, like, she's pretty good. And we also saw just how much Canberra can frustrate the Raw in that meeting in round three, I want to say. Three. Yep. Where it was a 1-1 draw at a damp and windy... Dolphin Stadium. Yeah, Michelle Holmes is one of the revelations of the year, hasn't she? Been missing the last couple of years, sitting out, made a comeback this year, and once again right back on the goal scorer's sheet. So I think definitely someone to keep an eye on for the raw defence this this weekend. I mean, I, I think the buy probably came at a good time as well. It's an opportunity to freshen up ahead of the last four weeks of the season to really focus in on on the run in towards the finals. And 
I think they're in pretty good shape at the moment, the Brisbane Raw team. I think they've had a pretty... They seem to have a pretty easy week last week to try and freshen up. Now they're getting right back into it. I think defensively, look, Claire Polkingon and Kim Carroll have seen Michelle Heyman plenty of times before in the W League. So they know what to expect. But it's a really important game, this one, for Canberra, I think. They're, I think they're fifth now on the W League table, two points outside of the top four. So they probably need to win much more than Brisbane. But if the Raw can win this game, they can just put another little seed of doubt in Sydney's mind, James, in terms of the Premiership. Adam? Yeah, uh, sorry, I was just, just looking at the ladder just to check that. I would almost say that a Raw win here, and I would say that they will pretty much wrap up um, home field advantage for the finals. Um, I know the game against Adelaide probably will be the, uh, in a couple of weeks' time, will probably be the one that will sell. But um, I think from momentum-wise, I think that, um, yeah, I think they've got to put out their mind about, you know, becoming the, pre- the trying to you know win the premiership and that that's that's going to be a case of Sydney is going to have to lose it more than the Raw is going to gain it but I think it's still important they tick over the points secure that home final and then the finals are a new season but but yeah look Canberra going to be tough at home um they they're very sort of you know, underrated they're going to need they they've got finals aspirations and I think it's also well the battle of the top two seeds in the Golden Boot race is Michelle Heyman with six goals versus um Emily Gilnick with uh, eight. Absolutely, and it was also a very interesting clash last year. It was a really, really tight game. I think it was one of the games where the Raw almost turned their... Got, I think it was their first or second win of the season. It was a really important win, and I seem to recall a certain Katrina Gorey wasting time in the corner, which absolutely wound up both Soccer Twitter and the Canberra United faithful down there. So I think a, a, a bit more of that this, this weekend would be really nice. I think Tamiki Yellup's got 12 goals in this fixture, so hopefully she can make that 13, 14, or 15 this weekend, and the Raw can come away with an important three points. Yeah, no pressure. I'm, I, I'm I'm not backing against the Raw at the moment. Like my only concern is that the buy might mean they get off to a little bit of a slow start. But really, it, like just looking at the way some of the players spent their buy weekends, I think they all seem like they were in need of a very like relaxing weekend, and it sounds like they got just that. So hopefully they come out fit, firing, refreshed, and ready for a run into the finals. Or even though they do have another buy coming up in. Another week, I oh, think. So they do too, don't they? Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. Normally, you only get two buys in the W League season, but this year it's three. There you go. Is it three? <laughs> oh, I thought they, they had had one reset. earlier in the year as well. Oh, okay. I, I also think that's got a fair bit to do with just ability to enter certain states and territories and whatnot as well. That that may have had a bit of an impact on that as well. So, all right. Uh, wrap up our W League preview with one simple question. Scott, what are we going to be talking about from the W League side this week? Uh, Brisbane, will main- Brisbane will maintain their 100% record in this season of being unbeaten. The unbeaten run continues. Uh, 10 games unbeaten for the Raw. And I will go with Gilnick scores another belter of a goal and Mariel Hecker gets on the score sheet as well as the Raw win. Are we getting overconfident? No, not with Good. this side. No. <laughs> Fair call. All right. Uh, now, we did have this uh, Twitter question come in during the match on Friday night. And if you do have any uh, segment ideas, discussion topics you want us to cover, feel free to get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter, or through email. Uh, Brisbane Football Review at gmail.com. This was Nick Collins replied to... I'm going to guess this was your tweet, Scott, based on how... Probably um, mine, yep. Uh, Speed and Slater still going on about the penalty shout. Young clearly got the ball first. Move on. And Nick's reply was, next podcast, can you rate Fox commentators? I don't get the hate towards Speed on some pages. So, 
before I uh, give you a chance to really tee off here, Scott, I'll... Who said I'm going to tee off? Just uh, just remember, boys, that uh, we we need to put... We have got our defamation lawyer on speed dial, so just uh, make sure you... (laughs) I'm very careful, but yeah. Okay, I will say, I think as a play-by-play commentator, speed is fantastic. The fact that he can do not only football, but he can also do Aussie rules and NRL at a fairly solid level there I think that is a skill that very few people have and we also saw it during the Olympics when he was also doing rowing and he might have even done table tennis or something as well his ability to describe the play-by-play is excellent where I I suppose get a little bit frustrated with him is when he does try to turn it into a talk radio show and overanalyze certain refereeing decisions because let's be honest he loves to break down a refereeing decision yeah, I'm going to treat this seriously. I, I, I actually do think Brenton Speed is the best of the commentators at Fox. In the big moments, when you've got the big moments, the big chances, the goals, all those sorts of things, he's the best at describing them that they currently have. Obviously, Simon Hill is the best in the country at it, but he's not there anymore, so you can't include him in this. So of what Fox have, I think that Brenton Speed is probably the best. Adam Peacock's actually doing a really good job of learning on the fly, given he's gone from studio host and sideline sideline reporter to match commentator in seemingly a blink of an eye. He's doing a really good job as well, but I think Brenton Speed's probably the best of the, the play-by-play calls at Fox. Adam? Yeah, look, just on, on Brenton Speed, look, I, I absolutely agree and I echo the sentiments that, you know, as a play-by-play commentator, look, he, he, is, uh, he is excellent. You know, not only, not only from sort of, you know, from a football point of view, but all, all sports he does, you know. His, I think, um, but where the issues and where the hate is drawn is that sometimes he just seems to go on and on and on and on about decisions. And, look, I know maybe a part of it is it's, it's not... You know, it's not maybe not voluntary that maybe that it's a producer in his ear saying we need discussion points, keep it going, keep it going. But I think that's what that's what rolls up the fans sometimes is that, and even even on demonstration that on that decision on Friday night, uh, the about in, in the Raw game, yeah, look, he's, he's he's told his opinion and all that, but then move on, yeah. and that's but now to the essence of what Scott was saying in in the tweet. But it just kept on going on and on and on. And we were counting how many times it, the reference came back and back and back. And that's what fans don't like, especially if if you're, if you're if it's your team that's involved. And I think that's where the issue lies. I'm not sure if he does it deliberately or he doesn't know that he's doing it. But you want the answer to why, why some of the fans get really pissed off with, with Brenton Spear at times. It's for that reason. The fact that it just keeps on going on and on and on about things that should have been left alone. Yeah, just a quick correction. I only went through half the point. I like Brenton's speed in terms of what he does in the big moments, but to what you've both said, the stuff about referee decisions, it doesn't have to be penalties. It can be just be a simple foul, and he'll go back to it 15 minutes later, minutes later and compare it to another foul, which is somewhat similar, and he'll bring up that comparison again in another half. Now, that's what's starting to really grate me in terms of his commentary, along with always mentioning, oh, the VAR's got to be looking at this, the VAR should be looking at this, that sort of stuff. I mean, that's the sort of thing I would have thought you had to leave to the um, colour commentator or the expert. That's, yeah, you have. I agree so with that. That's my one bugbear with him, which is starting to get more and more frustrating, but I still prefer him in the big moments to to the rest of the commentary team there at Fox. All right. I'll come, I'll come back to Adam Peacock as well, because I've got, yeah, if you, excuse me, I've got a few thoughts on what he can offer as well, because he is certainly a very different style to Brenton Speed. But I suppose, you know, my first thought is if only Fox had some sort of 
highlights show, magazine type show, wrap up show, focused on the A League, where Speed could really go and get these sort of discussion points going during the week. I'm I when I do commentary on a match, I always go in with the idea of do not make the referee the focal point of the match. Now, whether you know whether it's a coach berating an official because they disagree with a call or something, mention it and move on because you want whatever's happening with the ball to be the focus of your discussion there. And I do feel like sometimes it just gets lingered on. Now, look, if you've got an absolutely rubbish game, which thankfully we haven't had too many of those in the A League this year, How I can good understand. Been, by the way, yeah, that that's it. Like, it's a good thing that we're actually saying, uh, maybe the commentary could be, like, has been a bit up and down. But overall, with speed, I, yeah, I just feel like sometimes he can go and talk about that if it's a rubbish game. But we just, we haven't had that many bad games where it feels like they've really needed to fill points. And I feel like it's just knowing your moment. And look, I'm, I'm more than guilty on this, not just on this podcast, even occasionally when I'm commentating or just in conversations in general, just getting tunnel vision going, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Can you believe that happened? Oh, look at that. Now we're back to what happened. Can you believe what happened? And that, I suppose, is where I kind of, I I at least kind of see where he's coming from there. But yeah, for me, I just, yeah, it's just more, you've got the, not to go back to his uh, dispute with Mark Bosnich last season, but you're there as a play-by-play guy your job is, I suppose, to describe the action and add to the pictures that we're seeing, not turn it into talk radio. That, that I suppose, is where I draw the line of saying, you know, if I'm giving feedback. But, yeah, you're right. When you get the uh, spectacular goals, you go back to Riley McGree's scorpion yeah. kick, those sorts of moments, he absolutely nails those more often than not. And that's something that I, I know I look at and go, God, I've got to get better at that and do it like he does. As for Adam Peacock... I think he brings something different. And look, he's not a play-by-play guy. He is very much a studio host doing play-by-play. And that can work out so unbelievably well for him in certain times because like, some of his wordplay is just absolutely brilliant. I think it was the Adelaide game where he was saying, like, you've let a bunch of five-year-olds have red cordial with the way the Raw are running around. And, like, the way he can describe that, I think he's brilliant. And, like, reading his uh, recaps on the Fox Sports website is also one of the highlights yeah. of the A-League coverage as well. But there are sometimes, and both he, Speed, and also the colour commentators, which I would like to run through, but I just think for timing perspectives, we aren't going to be able to. Can we just but, say Harper's the best of them and the other two are any order you want? Yeah, fair. Okay, well, yeah. I, I'll echo that. Great. Um, but I will say the one thing that I do know would be a massive issue for those guys as well. One, they're calling games off a screen out of a studio in Sydney. You lose so much not being at the ground. Like, I, I know, you know, I, I've joked about this with you two when I'm trying to watch a game and I'll occasionally just fall into the trap of talking my way through it as it's happening. You are completely like at the control of whatever pictures you're getting from the ground. You, like, even when a sub comes on, you're trying to guess and go, uh, well, I'm waiting for the pictures to see who's coming on. And that, I do feel, really has impacted the overall uh, product as well. And I do also... I am also left to wonder how much preparation is actually being given... Or how much material is actually being given to these commentators as well. Because there are certain times where I feel like they're reading the same stats that I am when I'm when it comes to writing my uh, previews for work. So, 
those are my two issues that I do think are overall global for these. Calling it off the screen because they're not sending anyone to Brisbane at the moment. Uh, the Sydney games they are still doing in person. I think they're the only ones that do in person, aren't they? Sydney, Gosford yeah. and Newcastle. And obviously you've got Zappers in uh, Melbourne and some of the other uh, local commentators around there like Dom Ronaldo. Uh, but overall, I do know commentating off a screen sucks. Like that That's pretty much what I can only leave it at. Adam? Yeah, look, quickly, just on Adam Peacock. Um, look, he's, he's still learning his craft. It, it is it is a craft. Um, play-by-play commentary, you know. And, look, he's, still, he's doing a great job as it is. Um, as you said, the, the whole sort of, you know, trying to call games off a screen, and it, and it seems more often than not that it is Adam Peacock is the one that's having to call the games remotely. Look, he's, 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 doing, a, he's doing the best he can, you know, and, and, and like, that's, that's no follow zone. But I guess the one thing is also I'll sort of leave on this sort of, you know, sort of point about what sort of what really got me fired up um, about the Fox commentary was that game, that W League game at Marconi Stadium, where I, where, you know, I was very critical of the way both uh, Brendan Speed and Andy Harper called that game, only because it seemed to be all about young Sarah Hunter and her schoolmates in the in the um, in the stands, and also as well, it just seemed to be very devoid of a of basically. It seems as though that they they haven't really got the anecdotes down and done the research about Brisbane Raw. That it seems to be very Sydney centric, and I think. But I but I say that sort of as a criticism as well as sort of sympathy because obviously if you're not travelling, if you're not going up to, you know, going around the country, it's gonna it's gonna. Um, you know, have an impact on you know those moments where the game's in a lull, where you need those anecdotes, you need those facts and figures, and if you're not talking to the teams, uh, especially the sort of the interstate teams as they were, um, yeah, it's going to suffer, and that's sort of been a really noticeable thing. So I think that may be more the, um, I guess, the conditions at the moment, but yeah, it's it is becoming sort of fairly noticeable. But that 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 W League game was one that really sort of you know got on my nerves. Absolutely. Oh. It got on, that got on my nerves as well. That was the standout example of frustration with the commentary. I do think, to your point, Adam Peacock's making some of these games off the, where he's commentating off the screen quite listenable, and that's something which is not an easy feat, James. You know how hard that can be to do, so it's that's certainly a good thing. But in just quickly to the league in general, how good has it been just the whole, the whole way the league is going? There's been a whole bunch of young players get the opportunity this year, a whole bunch more goals than we've ever seen per game so far, and it's amazing what happens, isn't it, James? When you get rid of the um, the squad players who are, who don't get match opportunity, but swap club to club all the time, and you get rid of the visa players here for a holiday and a paycheck, and replace them with young, hungry players and coaches. To be fair, who who want to prove themselves. It's amazing how quickly the product can improve. Yeah, it it, it is. It, it has been really enjoyable this season as well, and even just talking to people out and about is. Look, there are still some people that aren't going to really get in um really get into it because they're just you, you've got no hope with them but i've i've had a lot more people saying oh i've, re- I've actually been watching the a-league this year like mm. and they're people who wouldn't have been watching it otherwise so um yeah and the one point i will also make is uh if anyone from stan sport optus sport or sports flick uh listening I'm available for commentary next season as well, and I've got a couple of co-commentators who I think will be more than happy to join me up in the booth, and we can do it in person. I'll add in a couple of... Any other um, sporting um, outlets who want to pop up in the media landscape in the next couple of weeks and acquire rights to certain sporting events, we're happy to work for them too. Definitely. (laughs) We have no shame. 
All right. Um, there was one other story that came out this week that we are going to have to skip for timing purposes, but Brisbane is apparently going to be getting the uh, 2032 Olympics. Uh, we've it's spoken at... It's amazing, because I thought you were already sending in your application to work on those, Scott. I might have already done that, but I forgot to put it in the run sheet, didn't I? Anyway, well, all I will say is, look, we've covered the stadium issue quite a bit already. Hopefully, this will help the Raw get their own stadium going forward. And uh, hopefully, yeah, that's something that we will see as the year goes on. And we find right. a quiet we've got, week we've in a couple We've got 11 weeks. years to discuss it, so... Yeah. We'll find a quiet <laughs> no, week no at rush. some point and add it into the run sheet and go into it. <laughs> if we're still doing this podcast by the time the 2032 Olympics uh, roll around, you'll find... I'm, going, I'm just going to walk out onto Old Cleveland Road in peak hour. <laughs> All right. Um, Nick, I hope that answered your question as well. Um, yeah, well, it was a bit of a fun discussion as well. And uh, local football is back this weekend as well. well. We won't go into detail too much because we did do that on our NPL season preview uh, shows, parts one and two, which are out on our podcast feed. So uh, listen to... Those all up, it's just under three hours of talking and interviews with members of some of the clubs. And yeah, we should thank everyone who participated in that. But quick run through of the fixtures. Friday night, Pinscher Power, Logan Lightning in the Football Foundation Cup to kick off the season. Saturday, 7pm, Lions against Gold Coast Knights, the last two grand final winners face off. Uh, Saturday, 7 o'clock, Strikers, Magpies, Crusaders at Parc de Paris. Sunday, 4 o'clock, Morton Bay against Redlands. Sunday, 4.15, Sunshine Coast Wanderers against Capalabar. Sunday, 6 o'clock, East against the Raw Academy. And Sunday, 6 o'clock, Olympic against Gold Coast United. I think there are three fairly clear standout clashes. Maybe four if you uh, want to include another one as well. But, uh, Adam, I'll give you first dibs on uh, which clash you're looking forward to. Just a quick quick one. Which one is it? Oh, jeez. Uh, caught me off, off guard here. Actually, no, I'm I'm looking forward to the season opener, Potential Power Logan. I think uh, MPL 2021 is here, it's back, and can't wait because I reckon there might be a sneaky, there might be a sneaky upset. Okay, Scott, not sure about that one, Adam. I'll go Sunday six o'clock <laughs> Eastern Raw Academy, two sides who we talked about in the season preview. We've done re- re- Eastern recruited really well. We know how strong the Raw have been in terms of their squad. If these are two sides you looked at and thought if there's going to be a change in the top four, they might be part of it. It's a massive clash at Heath Park, that one. And who knows, maybe, depending on who who, who does and does not play for the Brisbane Raw A-League side on Saturday afternoon, there might be a couple of inclusions in that team on Sunday as well, which might add to it as well. Certainly a possibility. I'm looking forward to Peninsula Power, Logan Lightning, purely because I will be commentating that match. So, Yes, congratulations on getting the season opener. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, I am also trying to work out, could I get from Dolphin Stadium to Parc de Paris for Strikers, Magpies, Crusaders? Because, well, I, I like Magpies, Crusaders, and I really am interested to see how they're going to go this season. But, obviously, the four standout games, Power Lightning, Lions Knights, uh, East Raw, and Olympic Gold Coast United. All those matches will be available on NPL TV, so make sure you subscribe to that. There is a free subscription option available and uh, certainly value for money with that as well as the season goes along and also also as well uh, the round one of the Kappa Women's Super Cup as well is this weekend Um, I know right out of my mouth 
Yeah, I'm sure I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we, and with uh, I think the sort of standout picture for us will be uh, the defending champions, Lions, well, league league champions, Lions FC versus Sunshine Coast Wanderers, and that game will be played immediately prior to Lions and Gold Coast Knights on Saturday afternoon over at uh, over at Richmond. How's that bus, James? You just got thrown under, by the way. Uh, thankfully, the tyres were flat. Anyway, uh, so as mentioned, we will close, try and close this out pretty quickly because we do have to record our NPL women's season preview uh, as well. Tonight, uh, the Raw, Sydney, Saturday, 4pm kickoff at Dolphin Stadium, which is now Morton, ba- Morton Daly Stadium. Uh, That's right. So, yeah, two weeks after they played out a nil-nil draw down in New South Wales, Sydney side is uh, head over the correct side of the tweed and into the correct time zone as uh, will we see a goal in this match Scott well firstly well done Mr Mayor on the sponsorship (laughs) (laughs) by the way I would hope we see a goal it's been something like two and a half games now since the Raw has scored a goal at Morton Daly Stadium I think it was the 50th minute of that game against the victory since then it was a couple of games where they failed to find the score sheet so I, I really hope they can find the score sheet in this game it'll be a really interesting one won't it the Raw no wins in their last four. Sydney coming off the back of a... Is it back-to-back defeats for the first time in about 17,000 years for Sydney since they've had that? Three matches without a win, back-to-back defeats, and I've got to be honest, Sydney are looking mighty vulnerable at the moment. And look, both sides, I think, are going to go into this game a little bit scared of uh, losing outright here. So I really hope we don't get an overly cautious attitude from either team. But I hope not. I, I it's do an interesting worry that... one, isn't it? Because but neither side's in the greatest of form right now, and it's it's. I think it's one of these games where there's going to be one goal in it, and the, someone will score the goal, and they'll snap their run. The other team will continue their their um their poor run of form, if you like. But it's such a tough one to call this. Yeah, I, I'm going to spoil my pick right now and say I think we're headed for another draw here, just purely because I can't see either team wanting to lose this fixture. Yeah, look, I, I think yeah, I agree. I think it'll be a score draw. I think um, I think there'll, there'll be there'll be goals, but I don't think yeah. But I think the fear of losing will will trump sort of you know the ambition of winning, unfortunately. And look at this, at this stage of the season at the moment, uh, when you get you're getting into you now what we round eleven now. Um, at this stage, you don't you'd rather you know gain one point rather than sort of you know basically drop all three. So so yeah, I. I think it's going to be a case of, yeah, I think it's a score draw. Well, I'll be more optimistic than the pair of you. I think big crowd at Morton Daly Stadium up there in Redcliffe. This is where you're going to see the the atmosphere generated by the boutique venue really kick in. It's a game we all know the Raw fans get themselves up for more than any other of the Sydney FC clash. It's been, I think it's been close to two calendar years since we had Sydney FC play a game up here in Queensland. Obviously, last year it was played in the hub down in Newcastle, so it didn't get a game up here. So... I think all those factors will kick in. There'll be a big atmosphere. And I think that Dylan Windsor Halls will score a goal in the last 15 minutes to make it 2-1 to the Brisbane Raw and three points. Okay. Well, Scott's just told us what we're going to be talking about this time next week. Adam? Uh, yeah, probably, probably the same with my prediction. Uh, score score draws. Uh, both sides play to star, mate. I'm going to say, yeah, a score draw, but I'm going to go for a slightly different goal scorer. Ramadak Bari Rocket. He's lining them up in the last few weeks, and I can see him uh, teeing one up here. And good news is the Raw are only in action once since uh, 
in this uh, round 11, so we don't have to worry about previewing a second match. Scott? Just before you... I know you want to wrap up, James, but before you do, would you make any changes to this? I don't know if McDonald's back or not, but maybe Champness comes into the front third somewhere, but I'm not too sure what you can change. I think a lot of people would say take Kai Truen out and play a back four with another player in the midfield, but I actually think the way they line up, I think it actually suits them to have the three at the back and let the wing-backs get forward. If they're a little bit deeper, it's going to take away a lot more than it will the extra body in midfield. So I wouldn't change that, but maybe maybe change someone in the front third, but I'm not too sure. I don't see the need to really change anyone because even though it hasn't necessarily been working, it hasn't been not working either, if that makes any sense to you guys. Well, I, I tend to look at uh, factors there. You don't want you don't want to change what's what has been working. And Corey Brown and Jack Hingott, you know, playing very very high up as wing backs, that actually has been working. Has been creating opportunities. The problem is for them is that they're just not the chances aren't being taken. So I think you don't want to you don't want to sort of you know inhibit that just uh, just to sort of, you know to satisfy changes. And so so yeah, I think I think the um, three centre backs think stays. Yeah, I do agree with the theory of moving to a back four, but I don't think this is the right time to do it. Scott, final thought, then we do have no, to No, sorry, we, we forgot one news story that we met in the segment earlier. Um, Scott Neville's season is finished in India, so he may be available at some point in the next month or so for the Brisbane or after I assume he goes on a quick break and does his quarantine back in Australia, so he might become an option soon enough, but we should mention that his season is finished, having seen East Bengal finish, I think second last on the table they finished. So oh, Scott Neville's season is finished, so he hopefully we'll be back in Brisbane soon enough for the second half of the season. And full credit to the manager for that finish as well for East Bengal. All right, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott and Adam. I'll let you two keep laughing yeah. and just say thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, stay tuned. We've got a whole bunch more content uh, coming up as well. Listen to our NPL men's season preview. Our NPL women's season preview will be coming soon. And get out to the football on the weekend. It'll be well worth it. We'll talk to you again soon.